Welcome to episode 84 of the Daniel Yoris podcast with today's guest, Julian Jechtenberg. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by Julian Jechtenberg. Julian, thank you so much for joining me here today, man. It's my pleasure. I, I hope I didn't butcher the last name too much. We were just uh, discussing the correct <laughs> pronunciation. And just for, just for the record, tell us the, the correct pronunciation of your last name. Jachtenberg. Uh, there we go. I'm not going to try and pronounce that one because I think I could do a decent job, but I don't want to butcher it too much. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll go with the uh, the English uh, the English washed one for for this purpose of this podcast. <laughs> for sure, tell everybody. Uh, it is. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Tell everybody a little bit uh, about yourself and who you are, and we'll get into all of that. But just uh, how do you introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name is Julian Jechtenberg. I'm the founder and CEO of Sumnox, uh, which is a company that is here to help 100 million people improve the quality of their sleep uh, by 2030. Um, I'm a robotics engineer from the University of Technology Delft, where I came up with an invention that helps you do breathwork exercises to calm the mind and uh, improve the quality of your sleep. Um, in the past five years, I, I read so much about sleep. We conducted sleep research and I've been traveling the world, speaking to many experts. And I think today we will be talking about how you can improve the quality of your sleep with some easy do-it-yourself tips and tricks to really get the power or superpower, I should say, of what sleep really is. Absolutely. And superpower is not uh, its not a bad word to use for this because a lot of us struggle with sleep. And I know a lot of people listening to this struggle with sleep. A lot of my clients, and I'm sure that a lot of people in your world come to you, I, I can't sleep, Julian, I just can't sleep. I can't stay I can't stay asleep. I can't fall asleep. My sleep is broken or I just sleep, but I don't feel rested ever. And when you finally get a good night's sleep, it's like, wow, I feel like a million bucks. But how do I recreate this over and over again? And it seems like something that should be so obvious because it's a basic fundamental thing that all humans do every single day for multiple hours makes up give or take a third of our life, yet it's quite difficult. In your experience, why has sleep become something so difficult? Why has sleep become something that is so hard for humans and yet animals don't struggle with sleep? <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's an excellent question. I mean, there, there are many theories, but I think my take on why we are sleeping so poorly, and you could say there's an epidemic, like a, a global sleep crisis, is because ever since the 40s, where the amount of average hours of sleep actually was in a decline. So we used to be sleeping around seven hours on average, and actually now, this day, the average amount of hours we sleep is six which is a decrease of two hours in total, which could be correlated with the invention of artificial lighting, uh, technology coming into our bedroom, being exposed to blue light, being exposed to stressful notifications at 12 p.m. and having this 24-7 hustle economy where we are interconnected any time of the day um, and making our parasympathetic system go into fight-or-flight mode all the time. So I think having this... If you compare it to, let's say, ancient times when life was much simpler compared to now, I think there's even studies that show the amount of sensory impulses now compared to then is like out of this world, right? You, you would only have the sun shining and maybe there, there would be threats, of course. But in this day and age, the information you get through your mobile phone alone is more information that someone in ancient times would have in their entire lifetime. <laughs> so our brains are overexposed, overstimulated, too much caffeine, too much whatever, and that's putting us into a place which doesn't improve or enhance sleep. Yeah, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And we're always fighting against our environment and something that I've spoken about often even in relation just to weight gain and obesity, is that we're fighting against our environment, all these highly palatable foods, the lack of inherent movement that's in our day, or, or the, the lack of movement that's just naturally in our day. It doesn't, it doesn't exist anymore. We all sit at a desk and you know, do what we do. And say sleep is the same. One of the, one of the funniest, but one of the best ways that I've ever heard this put, I believe it was Dr. Matthew Walker who said this, and probably someone who you're, who you're familiar with. 
And uh, someone asked him in, in an interview, they said, why, you know, can we bank sleep and why do humans sleep so poorly? And he said, as far as I can tell, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, as far as I can tell, humans are the only animals dumb enough to sacrifice sleep for other stuff. And I thought that yeah. was just such a great response. <laughs> exactly. Right. We, we used to say a couple of years ago, uh, I'll sleep when I'm dead or, you know, it yeah. was a batch of, batch of honor to say, well, I'm cool. I, I hustle my way up to the top. But I don't sleep. And, and I think there's now, which is a good thing, a movement going on in uh, Silicon Valley among executives where sleep becomes a priority because, you know, the, the science is, is very clear. Uh, you'll make poor decisions. Your health is in decline. You're basically drunk all the time if you're sleep deprived, right? You have half of your brain capacity available. So, yeah, we should prioritize. And I, I, I love the paraphrase of Matthew Walker. His book is terrific, by the way. It is. I, I, I agree with that. One thing that just came to mind, now, you know, you founded a company that is based in sleep or, 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 you know, based on trying to help us improve our sleep. Now, many founders and CEOs struggle with sleep and definitely go in that hardcore, like I sleep four hours a night, grind all the time. And to some degree, some say that, you know, you have to go through those grind years and sacrifice sleep to build up the company, build up the brand, build up the whatever thing it is. And then once you kind of, quote unquote, make it, then you can start with the morning routine and the sleep and, and these kind of things. Now, I would imagine you didn't take that route because you're, that would be counterproductive yeah. or, or counterintuitive to what your actual company is. So how did you start to navigate that as you're sort of building the business? Well, the, the beautiful thing of building the brands that we're building is we, we are an advocate of great sleep. So how ironic would it be if I, the founder himself, wouldn't be taking that serious? And, you know, once in the, in the very early days of starting this business, I mean, obviously running a startup is super hard and you need to give it all you can. But I found with the books of Matthew Walker, the science that's out there, that by actually prioritizing sleep, you may not be as working as many hours as the ones that go on until 4 a.m. in the morning. But I know for a fact that the quality of my decisions, the quality of my work, the productivity of work I can get done in that same hour is superior to any insomniac out there. So I think I was very much aware of sleep and how it correlates with health physically and mental um, and how it could actually be maybe a good investment also for the team. Like we even have beds in our office where you can do a power nap during the day, right? To promote that culture of rest and digest, not just at night, but also after lunch. And it might sound very different from other startups that have Red Bull and pizza and video games. <laughs> we have like apple juice and bedrooms and, and, and we do breath work together in the morning. And, and it's so nice. I mean, it attracts talent. It attracts. I don't know, a lot of good things. So I would recommend it for any startup that's thinking to win, prioritize sleep. That's the lowest effort you, uh, <laughs> with the biggest ROI. <laughs> there you go. It's, yeah. it's about efficiency and about quality of work, right? Doing something that, doing some good work that might only take you four hours would beat doing, you know, kind of shitty work that takes eight hours. I've never had a, a corporate job, but I've always thought there's no way that someone is sitting there plugging away at a computer for eight to 10 hours a day and actually working productively or efficiently to any degree for that amount of time. So maybe if you get, you know, four good hours out of that eight, well, what did you really do with that other four hours? It's kind of wasted time and you're just, you know, taking in the blue light and the office air conditioning and, being in a place you don't really want to be anyway. So if we were just a little bit more productive, and this is a, maybe a separate a little tangent, but if we were able to just be more productive and get that stuff out there in a shorter amount of time, starting with a great night's sleep, that would probably change the world. And I don't really say that lightly either. A hundred percent, right? I mean, it sounds cliche, but obviously it's also what, what most people say. Uh, uh, the thing that we're working on will make the world a better place. And, and there, and, and the thing is, sleep is having an impact on all parts of society, right? It's, it's not just your health, which is like, I think 400 billion each year in healthcare costs are related to a lack of sleep in the US alone. Wow. Then there is tens of thousands of car accidents happening each and every year in the US alone as a result of drowsy driving versus drinking under influence right <laughs> and third of all it's it's the number one leading indicator for mental health issues like depression 
And that's just those things. There's also graphs suggesting the correlation between the average amount of hours of sleep in a country and the GDP per country. So the less a country sleeps, the lower their GDP. So it's the economy, it's our health, it's our road safety, it's pretty much everything. It's a cornerstone thing. And if we can just have 1% improvement of sleep because of our existence as a company, you could have a huge resonance effect in, in, in all layers of society. And that, that's what makes it a very exciting space to be in and why I'm such an advocate of, of spreading this, this education and, and the science that is so often neglected um, in, in the mainstream media. So yeah, happy to talk about that today. That's so incredible. I mean, I, knew, I obviously knew that sleep was important and it's not something I have spent enough time thinking about it and know that it's important, but thinking about the grander implications of sleep and the, the actual cost of the healthcare and how our mental health, something I heard about mental health the other day was that there are no, and you know, don't nobody quote me on this, but there are no mental health conditions that are diagnosable that also have a normal sleep pattern. They all have some sort of disrupted or disordered sleep pattern. And so that's a, that's a huge yeah. one as the mental health crisis yeah. is, is continually on the and, rise. And, and to, just to add on that, I think that in the recent developments within psychology, where the DSM is like the, the main thing to diagnose mental illness, um, uh, insomnia used to be an effect of, for example, depression, right? A symptom. But actually, in recent studies and in, in the developments, they start to find that it's not a symptom, it's the cause. Hmm. And that changes the name of the game, right? Because if you treat the symptom and not the root cause, and that's why I think, again, focusing on sleep, even when treating mental health issues, is a, is a very under-highlighted area where, where so much can be done. If you I sleep totally better, agree. those things will get better as well. Yeah. And, and it's one of these things that, you know, we say this and everyone will be like, yeah, yeah, I know. But you really know, you already know this, that if you feel if you have a good night's sleep, you just feel so much better. And you, there are people who go through sleeping four hours, five hours a night. Oh, I, I don't need that much. I just power through an extra coffee, a Red Bull in the afternoon or whatever it is. And I get through it. But that's that's not your optimal performance. That's not the best way to do it. And that's certainly not the best way for all of us across the entire population to go through life like this. There's so many implications yeah. that we're going to we're going to get we're going to get through some of those other ones because I think the another big one was uh the daylight savings time with the car accidents that you mentioned. That that day yeah, that when daylight savings time changes, yeah, there's a lot more car accidents and heart attacks and stuff just because we all lose an hour of sleep, right? Yep. Yep, that's that's correct. You can the data doesn't lie, right? It's the cold hard data and there's actually many sleep scientists advocating to Congress to say, "Okay, we need to get rid of it." And I think that it has been this debate for years. And I think actually the recent development, they did uh, uh, seriously consider getting rid of it. So that, that's, that's a good, uh, good development. And there, there are scary studies out there that show the immediate effect because I think maybe some of the listeners might think, okay, yeah, but it's only a problem if you, you sleep for a long time, uh, and it's, it's chronic. But there are studies showing that if I think they had students, that were doing a test, they had to remember something and then reproduce it. They divided it in two subgroups, one that would sleep four hours and one that would be able to sleep eight hours. And immediately, like half of the learning capacity was gone of a single night. And the same experiment was done analyzing autoimmune cells, the things that basically fight disease, right? <laughs> like the COVID virus. Also, the prevalence of this autoimmune uh, 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 level was decreased as well after one night. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's not a thing that's, that's only if you do it for a longer time. Tonight could already be a step back in being more vulnerable to disease and so forth. Anyway, so daylight wow. savings is, is something we do at scale, which we should reconsider. <laughs> right. So much for, uh, pulling all nighters during school to study for exams, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it, so uh, to get that out of the world, pulling all-nighters for exams is the worst thing you could do. Best thing you could do is just learn about it, go to sleep, and you will most likely su uh, succeed uh, better than the group that does it. <laughs> there you go. You heard it. You heard it right there. Now, Julian, were you always a good sleeper? Because I know that you didn't start from a health background. As an engineer, engineering school is difficult, and you went to a difficult school or, or you know prestigious school. 
were you a, an all night studier? Did you always have a good sleep habits or how did this interest in sleep really start to come about? Yeah, so I mean, I have always prioritized my sleep, I would say. Um, but the real realization and the reason why I got into sleep this deep is because a family member of mine um, had this issue of true insomnia. So it wasn't me who experienced the effect of a lack of sleep. It was a close family member of mine where I found how impactful it was. Because if you're sleeping well, you know, you don't really care and it feels very normal and people that don't sleep, you're like, hey, don't, what's up? Nothing <laughs> going on. But if you really see the impact of someone you love, what it does on energy levels, health, uh, maybe not being able to work anymore, um, that's when I started to dig in. And as an engineer, I felt the obligation almost to to help her. Because now it was sleep medication, therapy, uh, meditation apps, which some of them are addictive and have side effects. So I was like, okay, I'm a robotics engineer, but I have to make something to help her sleep. And that's when I went into the rabbit hole of, of sleep science and, and I, I assembled a team of people with a health background. So we obtained that knowledge. Uh, so I'm from the product side and we got it from the team. And that's where the journey started. That's where the journey started. A true problem solver, like an engineer would be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's so frustrating to see if, if solutions are limited. And, and I think, especially in sleep, science and technology have only just met. Up to this point, sleep was treated with medicine, therapy. And uh, sometimes this, this can be the solution, but <laughs> the majority of people won't be, be, be benefiting from it. So... I had, yeah, I had this frustration. There has to be an answer within science, within technology. And that's what I'm doing every day to, to get that out in the world and, 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 and assemble the best team and, and create technology that might one day solve it at a global scale. Right. It's an interesting time for these kind of things because the, probably the best answer to improve sleep would be to like <laughs> undo the world, remove all cell phones, remove all artificial light and like do all that stuff. But, that's obviously not going to yeah. happen. So to combat like our current environment, we have to, you know, out technology, our own technology to, to make it more suitable for actual human life. And so, you know, I've been someone who's probably a little bit more critical than most of wearable tech and, you know, supplements and these kind of things. And because I always think that for the most part, there are a lot of simple lifestyle changes that one can make to help w with sleep and with all other, you know, weight loss and strength gain and all other health implications. But sometimes, you know, these technologies and these supplements and these things really do help. So it is an interesting thing to, for me personally, to start like coming around to and wrap my head around like, okay, we can't just change the whole world. We can't just change how everybody acts and how everyone and the world interacts. Like your notifications are still going to be going off. So how do we just work to, to fix these things using technology? So it's great that you're, that you're, you know, building this. Now, tell us a little bit about what yep. the actual product is and how it works, and then we'll kind of go go backwards from there. Yeah, so I've, I've, to, to very quickly tap into your comment about mm -hmm. technology, and that will transfer my answer into why we are building and what it is. Um, I think we, we should have the understanding that technology, in a way, is very harmful to our sleep, especially with, indeed, stressful notifications. And then we have these wearables that track your sleep, but it's not clinically accurate. And they give you data, but okay, how is the data going to help you, right? In the end, it's about changing your lifestyle habits, having an intervention that actively does something with the data. Uh, otherwise, it can even coin the term orthosomnia, which is sleep data of your Fitbit or a ring or whatever, reinforcing your anxiety of getting a great sleep score. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's counterproductive. So that's why we are building, and now we'll talk about our technology, something that goes beyond that. And it's something we call the Somnox Sleep Companion. And it's it's a device that uses the data of, for example, the Aura Ring you already have. And then having a pillow-like design that you hold on to, which will have the physical sensation of the falling and rising of the breath, going up, going down, in the rhythm to slow down your breathing pace. And by having that physical guidance, you will subconsciously start to adjust your breathing or respiration rates to slow down, which is a signal to your autonomic nervous system to say it's safe, 
it's okay to go and fight or in, in uh, rest and digest rather than being in this fight or flight mode that we're so often in. So the technology itself is guiding you to breathe in the right ways, sensors to detect your respiration rate, integrating with the data you may already have, and then you can even use the mobile app that is, comes with it, not in the bedroom itself, but during the day as a coach to give you that education. So we don't get the bedroom and the phone together. We want to get the phone out of the bedroom and have the positive parts of technology in there, which is in the, the device that we have created. That's super cool. That's the one thing that I've always thought strange about all the technology is it still requires you to have your phone by your bed. You know, the bedtime meditation stuff. It's like, okay, well, you're still staring at the screen right before you go to sleep. It's like, you know, it's the we're, same we're, device that gives you stress with, with, with angry emails and, and whatever. So exactly even if you turn your notifications off do not disturb mode you still like just having it in your hand or having it nearby is like oh what if well let me just turn off the note let me just turn the notifications back on let me just check that one last thing before i before i sleep after i've done the meditation so so that yeah. that makes a lot of sense to me and i i wear a aura ring i've had one for for several years now um i've always slept well i kind of just got it more out of curiosity and you know learned a few things one thing with the breathing that i've really noticed is anytime that i don't sleep well or that I've been sick or getting sick, my breathing rate is like way higher. And it's not something you would ever notice because it's you don't always feel different in that one night. But if I see the data that my breathing rate was higher, I was like, okay, I definitely didn't have a good sleep. I've got to you know get on top of this tonight or whatever, whatever the case is. But you would never know that you were breathing faster in a way to regulate it. So having something you know like the Somnox to, to hold you and, and cuddle you and regulate your breathing is uh that would be a huge game changer for sure absolutely and i think you know we can go into why breathing is so powerful because yeah. people might listen and be like yeah but hey i have been breathing all my life so how is this different <laughs> <laughs> you, and you say you know you, the, you tell the, us the, yeah well, I, I think that's exactly as you said with what you saw at your aura ring it's the fact that breathing you know we can go Without food for months, we can go out for, for without water for weeks or days, but we can only go without our breath for a matter of minutes, yet we never learned how to breathe. And breathing is indeed an indicator of your health. It's uh, It can indicate whether you get sick. Uh, when it came to COVID, uh, there were these wearables claiming that if your breathing rate went up, hey, you might do a COVID test and it might be appearing that you were sick. That's because the breath is one of the most foundational things in your body that influences your heart rate, that influences your metabolism, that influences your autonomic nervous system. And it's the only thing we can consciously control. You can't think your heart rate to go down. You can't think your metabolism to slow down. But your breathing, you can control. And I was in touch with Wim Hof, the Iceman. He is a fellow Dutch uh, person. And he basically also is a big advocate now, I think, teaching celebrities about this type of stuff, that through breathing, you can just unlock parts of your human capabilities that you couldn't do before. And this is no pseudoscience. Like, this is real science showing how breathing is capable of withstanding cold temperatures and remaining in ice baths for a long time. It's showing how it can, as I said before, be a remote controller for your autonomic nervous system to determine am I in fight or flight or in rest or digest. It's a way to tap into mental health and get peace of mind. It's the, it's the fundament of meditation, right? In the end, meditation comes down to focus on your breathing. So, well, I can go on and on and on, but it's just basically there. Breathing, yes, we do it each and every time, but especially during the night, the breath is maybe the closest thing we can control to indirectly control the quality of your sleep. And that's what our technology is trying to do, to, to help you do that uh, in an easy and effective way. I love that. Most people haven't taken a conscious breath in their entire life, which is, is quite sad. One thing that I do with a lot of my clients or almost everyone is at the end of the workout, you know, we'll just do a quick you know, six breath, inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, you know, very, very simple. And the first time that I do it with people, it's almost always like somewhat of a profound experience where it's like, wow, I've never felt that before. It was just breathing, quote unquote, you know, just breathing, but it felt so amazing. I feel so relaxed. I feel so, you know, all types of different responses that are always quite, quite remarkable. 
And you're right that it is the most controllable thing that we have with our sleep. Yes, we can probably try and control the temperature in our room, but you know, if you sleep in a bed with a partner, you know, maybe the maybe the air conditioning that you have is too loud. Maybe someone likes it hotter, someone likes it colder. There's there's so many other factors. And breathing is something that we can really tap into and change our entire state, our entire mood, everything about us if yes. we really, really get into the breathing. And for some people, that might sound a little woo-woo. But, you know, like you mentioned, Julian, go look up Wim Hof and go look at all the things that he's done and proven in science. Not just like, oh, this crazy guy walking in his shorts on Mount Everest, he must be different than the rest of us. No, he's taken other people and showed no. them or taught them his teachings and they've had similar results. So this is something we can all exactly. tap into. And it's not just Wim Hof, right? Because I can imagine people are like, okay, wow, that's, that's still this, this old guy uh, doing extreme things. Breathing has been there for thousands of years. It's being used in therapy. It, it's, it's, it's proven. And I, I mean, obviously, uh, uh, you need to try it. And that's, that's when you will find out what benefits it has. And I think the easiest, quickest way to just experience br- the power of your breath right here, right now, is just take a deep breath in and have a sigh out. <sighs> And that will instantly tell your body, like, and of course, this is very quick, whatever, but tell me something else that, that does that in three seconds. Yeah, there's no. nothing. <laughs> there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. And you're right. The breathing yeah. stuff, yes, Wim Hof has, has taught us and us, but I mean, you know, the population of the world taught us a lot. But even he says that he didn't invent these things. He just found them and found a way to yes. popularize them. These, these techniques that he uses have maybe been changed and translated and altered over time, but they are... Yeah thousands of years old as are all types of meditation and and yoga and exercise to varying degrees they're thousands of years old it's nothing new but we're just you know relearning about them as a as a species as we've kind of forgot them and let them go by the wayside more in western culture probably than than others but they're you know they're old things and the probably one of the most human things that that even exist is just paying attention to the breath that's what that's what gives us yeah. everything and if- I think also for people that think, okay, hey, is this heading into the path of spirituality and meditation? Not at all. I think breathing offers the perfect alternative to meditation and mm-hmm. all the spiritual things out there because it's so practical. It's physiology. It's about breathing in, breathing out. There's nothing about the mind and, and whatever. It's just, just breathe. Get high on your own supply, right? So, um, yeah, anyways, I think that's, that's the beauty of it and, and, and studying those principles of what is proper breathing. Just some takeaways. Always breathe in through the nose. Don't use your mouth for various reasons. Um, prolong the exhalation to calm yourselves down. I mean, it can be used, as you said before, to, to change state as well. It, it isn't just to calm the mind and fall asleep. It can also be used to increase your performance when you're working out, right? Doing breathing exercises before. If you look at the Olympic athletes, they do breathing exercises before they go out on the game and they do it afterwards as part of their recovery. So, you know, it, it, it's everywhere and it's always there. It's right under your nose. <laughs> so. Okay. That's the best way to put it. Right, un- right under your nose. Are you a fan of yeah. mouth taping for people who do breathe for- through their mouth during the night? Because that's another thing. You know, a lot of people have this, people who snore or wake up with a really dry mouth. What, what are your takes on, on the-, the mouth taping? Yeah, I think it's, 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 it's a bit dangerous, right? So it's, it's very popular nowadays on TikTok and Instagram for some reason, you know, some influencer thinks that it's a good idea, but there are, uh, real dangers to it, right? So yes, I'm a big believer in breathing through the nose. I mean, that's, that's not something to decide. That's a fact. But by force, forcing it by taping your mouth can be quite dangerous, especially because people use types of tape that are not, uh, meant for that purpose, let's say. Um, yeah, th- there are stories where people suffocate at night because of doing it. So if you do it, do it with the right tape, uh, make a small hole in between. So in case it remains, you, you can still breathe through the tape. Um, uh, yeah, be very aware. And I think that's, that's one of those things, right? The, the spread of misinformation, popularizing, a single experiment without the the pros and cons is 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 a dangerous development, I would say. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like you know, whoever started to popularize this, so it worked for me, so it must work for 
everyone else the same way every single named diet ever has been popularized right and so like yeah mouth taping could be yeah. good but someone who really can't breathe through their nose and they just tape their mouth shut well it's like how are you how are you going to breathe i think i've always thought a better way maybe to start that was using nasal strips that open up the yeah. nasal passage exactly. rather than taping the mouth start there get some actual airflow through the nose and then maybe you can work towards taping the mouth exactly. until your body gets you know retrained to breathe properly yeah it's just like going to the gym. You won't be lifting the heaviest weights on day one. You will break something. You will injure yourself. The same goes for breathing. It's not an overnight success. It's something you need to train, make a habit. And that's after consistency. That's where the value and, and the real gems will, will become um, visible. <laughs> that's right. So, but, we, but, we need, but we need, you know, a little bit of a push. Because like you said, and we've said, we all sleep every single day and some of us, a lot of us are doing it wrong. So, you know, using something like your product would be able to start retraining the way you breathe. Now, what are the, yes. what are the ways that it does change your breath and what is the correct way to be breathing cadence and all of that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I think there is not a, a universal answer to that question because every human being has a different uh, lung capacity. Um, has a different emotional state. So dependent on the time of the day, gender, age, whatever, you know, different breathing exercises and tempos are, are, are needed. That's why I don't really believe in these, um, four, seven, eight method type of breathing styles, because again, it really depends on you as a person. What is, what is, what is nice and what works. Um, so one of the breathing exercises that I think would be beneficial to train yourself is something called coherence breathing, which is an equal amount of breathing in through the nose of five and a half seconds and breathing out through the nose for five and a half seconds. So it's like a circular motion. And some use like an, an app for that that is counting. But then again, different lung capacity, different time of day, different emotional state doesn't always work. So what our device does is, first of all, it's a physical guidance. So no screens, no sounds, it's physical. And we have to run scientific trials to also see how can we subconsciously influence your breathing. And actually by feeling it is the most effective way to take over the breathing place compared mm -hmm. to having a visual cue or compared to having an audio cue. And then the sensors detecting your uh, breathing uh, rate will interact with that in real time. So it's generating a personalized breathing exercise based upon whether you want to go to sleep, whether you want to relax, whether you want to be energized, and then offering you a real-time biofeedback loop of, of having that physical guidance of slow-paced breathing. So that's how we do it differently and how we train your breath over time to, yeah, to experience deeper sleep, to experience the power of what breathing brings to your overall health. I see. So does it require a bit of a learning period uh, where it starts to gather data about you, maybe in conjunction with Absolutely. another type of sleep tracker? And then it says, okay, your breathing rate is X, yet you're sleeping poorly. So we need to bring this down rather than just like, okay, every single human must breathe at, uh, you know, 16 breaths per minute or whatever it is. It, it kind of exactly. takes where you are and then tries to improve it, right? Exactly. So that's why I said uh, we go beyond sleep tracking. So we take data that you might already have. We look at resting heart rate, heart rate variability, sleep stages, respiration rates. And you can see trends over time when using the device. And in the studies that we ran, it does take 14 nights of using our device to get to that optimum experience. So, yeah, we are not a overnight one hit wonder. But I, I will tell you, if something in health claims to be that, <laughs> be skeptical. <laughs> because most things in when it comes to health and, and, and changing your, I don't know, changing your weight, changing the amount of muscle, you know, it takes motivation and dedication. Same goes for our technology. But it's natural, it's effective, and it's safe and easy compared to the chemicals that will put you to sleep in an instant. But oh boy, you don't want to know what all those chemicals have as side effects and addictive uh, elements to it so yeah yeah I'm, I'm so happy you said that because if it if it was if you were going to sit, sit here and tell me that like 
and my product works and the first night and everyone will sleep better. Like that's very hard to believe. Right. And anyone who claims that about anything, like it's not, there's way too much variability across the human yes. population for any one device or piece of technology to just universally work immediately for everyone. There's, there's almost nothing that would maybe yeah. the medications will have a certain immediate effect, but like you just said, not what you want and certainly not long-term. It's, it's fake sleep. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and yeah, I think that's the problem in this world that, you know, in marketing, obviously it's much more attractive to yell, yeah, this puts you to sleep instantly within eight minutes and, uh, la, la, la. That's what people buy, unfortunately. But yeah. most of it is, is, is you're being sold crap. And, and I'm, I'm trying to be as honest as possible looking at the <laughs> science we have and say, okay, yeah, I have to be honest. This, from a marketing perspective, it's not as attractive, but at least I know what I'm saying and, and what you can expect. Yeah, um, at least, and, and that at goes least for you, every you, intervention. Yeah. That's right. And you know that you're helping people with little to no side effects. And the alternative has a lot of potential side effects. And I can say that because I'm not you, so no one can really come after me. But it's like these, these sleep medications are Band-Aids at best. My understanding of them is essentially how it works to kind of like, you know, sum it up in a, in a easy to understand sentence is it almost like knocks you out, but you're not really asleep. You're not really getting rested. It's, it's not that much different almost than being drunk and falling asleep. And that's what exactly. people are doing every single night. Is that, is that so incorrect to say? Well, I mean, obviously it's, it's a little bit, uh, uh, black and white, all or nothing statement, but yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think just, just to make sure, I think most of the listeners know sleep is not a binary state. You're not asleep or awake. Mm. That's what most of the society thinks when drinking alcohol to get to sleep or taking a pill because, Hey, I'm asleep. But guess what? Sleep is not binary. It has variant gradients, right? You have deep sleep, light sleep. Uh, uh, rapid eye movement sleep, go on and on. You need to cycle through all those stages of sleep to obtain physical and mental recovery. If you drink alcohol, you will only have light sleep and you won't have any physical uh, recovery. <laughs> so that's why I had to generalize all of it. It's fake sleep. Don't fool yourself. Don't harm yourself and educate oneself and, and see what works for you to 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 do so and i and i do think and that's why i'm a big believer in this first start educating yourself about sleep before buying all of these things including our thing educate yourself only after you have tried those simple lifestyle uh things like uh, a regular sleep schedule going to the same time to bed in the weekdays and weekend days uh, no caffeine no smartphone etc only then then we should consider using devices like ours to really deepen the quality of sleep and go next level. But it starts with education and awareness. And I hope that this podcast today, well, helps maybe some people do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it will. And I'm so happy that you said that because that's, you know, I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier. That's kind of how my approach is to everything. Like, let's fix the lifestyle things that we can fix first. And then we can start to talk about technologies to add and supplements and, you know, other stuff to add in. But if you're going to, you know, take a pill or use the Somnox and be on TikTok scrolling for 30 minutes in your bed with your phone three inches away from your face and you had a coffee at, you know, 9 p.m., it might help, but not really. It's not really moving the needle all that much. You can't outdo all that bad stuff. So it has to start with your actions. And Unfortunately, that's the hardest part of it, but it's the biggest needle mover and the most important thing that, that we have to do. Yeah. So th that's why we also try to position ourselves not as the hero, right? The, the person that wants to improve their sleep, that's the hero. And we as a company are like the guide to get you there, to change your lifestyle, to, to have a tool at night when you are anxious and awake and whatever. You are the one that have to do it, sir. <laughs> and and we'll we'll give you the tools and the education and the science to help you get there. Because you can't do it alone. It's it's hard. So it, let's, it, let's it do absolutely it is. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So yeah. what would be your top three? And I know it's kind of hard to generalize it and don't have to you don't have to limit this to three, but like what would be your top tips for people to start to change in their lifestyle habits to actually start to sleep better? 
Okay, so I think the one I already mentioned, and I will just repeat it, is a regular sleep schedule. So same bedtime, same wake-up time each and every day. Obviously, there can be an exception once in a while, but make it a practice to go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time. Why is this so important? Because your sleep, as we already touched upon, is highly dependent on light exposure. Right? That's why the whole uh, daylight savings thing is, is ruining with our sleep. Because light is, is messing with our brain. Humans and animals and the whole whole nature is in this cycle of the sun going up and down, right? That's human nature. That is nature in its essence. So being aware of light exposure is a very powerful way. So the second tip would be the first thing you do when you wake up is get direct sunlight. So no artificial light, direct sunlight is much more powerful in your eyelids. So no sunglasses because that will reset your sleep uh, schedule. Get your circadian rhythm in place and that will give your natural melatonin production rather than having a melatonin pill, right? Your body is capable of producing that yourself if you didn't know that. <laughs> so and, and you, you can do that by the proper light exposure at timings, especially in the morning. Something else that I would maybe consider that is maybe not already uh, known, uh, more like a contrarian sleep tip, I would say, is your relationship with sleep. Mm. And it's like a flaky friend, right? Sometimes she or he will come <laughs> and it will be a nice time, but sometimes he won't. She won't be there and it's okay. It's impossible to optimize your bedroom or buy technology or, or have all the science in the world to have each and every day the most perfect sleep in the world. It's impossible. So by accepting this flaky relationship so to speak and accepting it acknowledging it rather than enforcing it and resisting it because if you start to do that that's where you start to create insomnia for real because your psychology towards your bedroom will be really ruined your your whole understanding of oh i'm scared to go to bed right now so just accept it when it comes when it goes but yeah, you can, of course, invest in a relationship and make it a bit more trustworthy. I think that's important to, to have that understanding and not say to yourself, I have to sleep eight hours each night. Otherwise, I'm, I'm, I'm ruined. No, everyone doesn't sleep that well every once in a while. And that's fine. Deal with it. Go on. And, and, and the next day you can try it. <laughs> right. It's like paying too much attention to the data from, from the ring, from the bracelet, from the whatever. And it says that, oh, you know, you didn't sleep good. So tonight you must go to sleep at this time, but you know, you can't really do that yeah. tonight or whatever it is. And we get too caught up in these things. And the same thing is true with exercise in the gym. Oh, I missed a day of exercise today. So therefore I've lost all my gains. And we know that that's not true, yeah. but we have, we convince ourselves that these things are true. So using, maybe get your opinion on this one. Some people say that they're a bad sleeper. It's the same kind of thing as saying, I'm bad at remembering people's names or I'm bad at, um, I don't know, I can't think of another example, but I'm, I'm a bad sleeper. If we just flip that script yeah. in our mind and start telling ourselves, no, I'm a great sleeper. We kind of use the, the placebo effect to our advantage. We start to have a better relationship with sleep, most likely, and we would actually just start to sleep better because we're less stressed about sleeping. 100%. And I think... You know, reading the book Atomic Habits by James Clear made that very clear, right? If you want to change your life, you need to have micro changes and change habits. And that starts by having an identity. And mm -hmm. if you identify with being a poor sleeper, if you identify with someone who isn't good in exercise, if you identify with someone, yeah, I, I, I can't cook food, you, you'll never be able to do it. Stop saying it and maybe even having these affirmations, like maybe saying I'm a good sleeper is maybe a little bit too much, but having someone that says, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with sleep. Happens to me. I, I, I try to. We'll see. We'll change. We'll change probably the quality of sleep. It doesn't cost anything. It's just an affirmation trick. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. The the difficult part of that is it just comes down to effort and changing our own mind. Someone who identifies as a poor sleeper has probably done so for years, if not their, you know, their, their entire adult life, you know, since they were conscious enough to think about it and flipping yes. that script is very easy. So, you know, when Julian and I are saying these words, it, it sounds, we understand that it's, it's a lot easier said than done, 
but starting to work on changing your identity to transition to be a good sleeper would be would be a huge huge step a hundred percent i mean i'm not saying it easy it's easy but i think confirming that you are a bad sleeper won't help so either stop saying that uh and and start looking into solutions and educating oneself because i understand it most people that can't sleep have tried absolutely everything they're sick and tired of being sick and tired so why would this trick help me or why would that advice help me yeah that's because it's it's it is complicated but it's about having hope and trying things experimenting with things connecting with others and being honest with yourself what is the root cause behind the reason i can't sleep and that's where technology can help you it can tell you with data what's going on you can see and and i hope that that gives just a little bit of hope to the people that feel desperate out there that yeah you'll get there <laughs> it's it's a step-by-step micro change approach to have yeah. huge results in the long term i think you nailed it there people have tried a lot of things but taking the onus on themselves the personal responsibility to change you the person you don't need more stuff you don't need another piece of technology right now you don't need a new supplement a, a stronger dose of melatonin you know some other whatever it is that's not what you need you need to kind of look yourself in the mirror and be like i really need to get off my phone before bed i really need to get some daytime light on my skin and in my eyes i need to move my body during the day uh, you know, these kind of things. I need to have a bedtime. You know, you're. I know you're not six years old anymore, but you still need to have a bedtime. And these are the things that are so difficult. And it always just, it always comes down to this. It's easier said than done, yeah. but this is the, this is the true way to, to help with this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That's where you start. And then the tools like the trackers, like the thing that we create are great tools to make that process easier. Right. It's It's just like, Having a coach when you are in the gym, you will show up. You will have better exercise rather than doing it on your own. And I think that's the right way to look at it. It's not mm-hmm. uh, unneeded, but it's a supportive tool to probably reach your goals faster, more enjoyable, and reap the benefits um, as well. Yeah, that, that's I think Absolutely. the right way to, uh, to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And since you brought up brought up the gym, what are some of the implications of exercise on sleep? Of course, exercise is healthy for us, but should we be exercising later at night, earlier in the morning? Does it matter? How does exercise and sleep interrelate? Yeah, I think it's 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 hard to say. I mean, there are some papers that suggest that doing exercise uh, very uh, prior to bedtime isn't a good thing. So I would avoid at least two to three hours before bedtime having your latest uh, uh, heart rate heart rate zone three uh, <laughs> exercise, because exercise is going back to what we just talked about. If you are exercising, you are high heart rate. Therefore, the sympathetic part of your autonomic nervous system, which is where you are alert, uh, you are running, high heart rate, et cetera, et cetera. And sleep is the all the way on the other side of the autonomic nervous system, which is slow heart rate, slow breathing, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, don't do it prior to bedtime. However, uh, exercise is actually hugely beneficial to improve the quality of sleep if done at the right time of the day. There are studies that show the amount of deep sleep that you experience is correlated to the average interval of body temperature. And the bigger the interval between your highest body temperature during the day and when it uh, cools down during the night, the more deep sleep you experience. Mm. And you can increase your body temperature by doing, guess what, exercise. So if you do exercise during the day, which with all the benefits that exercise already has, we're going, we won't go into that. We're talking about sleep now. Um, the body temperature will rise. Therefore, the, the, the decrease in the temperature during the night will improve deep sleep. And deep sleep is, that's where quality sleep is. That's what you refer to when you really feel rested. If you had, mm. had that deep sleep, uh, during the night. So yeah, yeah that, that, that makes would be my take on, on exercise. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. I've always kind of said the same. And, and again, just like anecdotally for myself and my clients, if we work out late at night and you go to bed, you just, you don't feel really rested. You feel like you want to go to bed a little bit later. And then that, you know, has trickle down effects as we've, as we've talked about. But at the same time, I would probably say if your only time to exercise is kind of close to bedtime, if it's that or nothing, number one, like, you know, try and look at your lifestyle. And I don't mean to be like a little bit facetious about that, but like, Try and look at your lifestyle and see if you can, if that really is the only time to work out. But if it really is, then, you know, still get some exercise in because a little bit is better than, than nothing. We've got to kind of do all of the things, right? Yeah. And I think it also really depends on the type of exercise, right? Because what mm-hmm. I'm referring to is really the heart zone three type of exercise, like running and, and, you know, really high intensity workouts. Maybe if it's lifting weights, you know, you, you, you could, probably do it if you have a busy life so you can only do it 9 p.m at night and lift some weights with low heart rates that wouldn't maybe be too impactful on your sleep but it's really about staying in that rest and digest mode before going to sleep that's what you want to achieve so if you can have that in any other way uh, by for example doing these breathwork exercises that will really accelerate that process yeah absolutely now one one thing that is always comes up and I'm sure you've heard this a million times. People say, I only sleep six hours, but I nap every day. Is that a good thing? Does that equal out? Um, also, I don't think the science is super clear on this. Like there, there's, there's papers on both sides of the spectrum, uh, when it comes to these statements. Uh, you know, if, if we look at animals, for example, they are the perfect example of, of sleeping throughout the day and, and they're, they're fine. And I mean, Leonardo da Vinci was one of the people that slept every hour, 20 minutes, and he didn't have this eight hour fixed amount of sleep at night. There's even stories going back that when we were still living in caves and there were people in the tribe that had to guard the tribe at night for lions. Right. Those are the genes that are now people that tend to wake up at night. And there's the, the, the people that had to hunt during the day that are more prone to staying awake during the day. So, you know, it's very much in our genes. I think looking up your chronotype can be useful. Chronotype is basically finding out what type of genes you have that state how you should be sleeping. Uh, there's many online tools for that to find out what you are. Just find chronotype and you'll, you'll, you'll get there. Um, and it's cultural. If you look at Spain and, and, and other countries, you know, they have siesta and it works great for them because also work, and I think this more societal thing facilitates it. Ever since the Industrial Revolution, at a certain point, from 9 to 5, we're working from Monday to Friday. And then it was ideal to have society sleep at night because then you couldn't be productive. You couldn't have labor. So that eight-hour statement is also a little bit, I would say, Industrial Revolution type of uh, heritage we still have. So also there, look what works for you. Um, and, and to, to just maybe conclude on that, there's something called sleep depth. So don't think that you can catch up with sleep during the weekends just by sleeping a little, uh, sleeping in or sleeping during the day. It doesn't work like that. Um, unfortunately. So yeah, I, I can go on and on and on, but I mean, that's, that's the premise. Yeah. No, no, it, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, the eight hours thing. When we start to think about, and maybe this is getting a little bit conspiracy theory and like, you know, labor unions and, <laughs> you know, work in eight hour shifts. And so why is it eight hours? Because, you know, it's my understanding that the the full sleep cycle is roughly an hour and a half. And of course there are, you know, variances between people, but then, you know, if you just do some basic math and I'm no mathematician, but an hour and a half times whatever doesn't ever equal up to eight. So it's like seven and a half or nine. Now, maybe you, you aim for eight, you toss and turn for 15 minutes, you wake up a little bit earlier, your sleep cycle is an hour and, uh, you know, 37 minutes. So you're, you're pretty well getting there. But that kind of makes a little bit more sense to me is aiming for that seven and a half or nine. And in my experience, yeah. again, I've always had better sleep when I hit those targets rather than waking up mid-cycle. Yeah, and I think last but not least, what many people do not know is the sleep efficiency. Um, if you go to bed at 11 p.m. and you wake up at 6 a.m., it doesn't mean that you have been sleeping for seven hours. You have been in bed for seven hours. Mm. So you have to take that, that, that buffer, so to speak, and maybe add at least one hour or subtract one hour of the bedtime you have versus the actual sleep time you have. And that's where trackers can be useful to see what that is for you. 
and then start adjusting, doing experiments um, to see how it uh, improves the efficiency. Yeah, be- being on TikTok in your bed is not actually sleeping, unfortunately. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> surprise! <Now> with, <laughs> surprise! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With with the napping, um, do you have any best practices for napping? I've always tried to do like you know, power naps and, and cut it off before 20 minutes before I enter the deep sleep. Do you have any best practices or strategies for napping? I mean, this is pseudoscience. So I will just have an anecdotal and is one, uh, uh, what I do is I take, uh, an espresso, <laughs> right? Um, yes. I take an espresso. I, I go to sleep for 25 minutes. Then the caffeine hits my blood circulation. Not when I drink it, but after like roughly what, half an hour, and then boom, <laughs> I'm 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 awake. I don't feel drowsy as you would wake up from a bad nightmare or something, and you get the benefit of caffeine and sleep. Um, that that that's my go-to nap ritual. <laughs> the espresso nap. I'll I'll end of to that because I do the same thing, and people are like, "Well, that doesn't make any sense. How can you do that?" I'm like, "Just try it. I promise you, it's gonna work." Yeah. It, it, for me, it yeah. works. Every I don't do it every day, but like works almost every single time that I do it. I feel amazing. You just kick yourself out of that sleep right before you get into the deep sleep, and then the coffee kicks in, and it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely, it's it the, is, the, and and but be careful. Don't I? I wouldn't advise doing it after two p.m. Right, because the breakdown time of caffeine is like fourteen or twelve hours. Yeah. So it, it's fine for afternoon naps, but if you want to nap at 4 p.m., don't do it anymore because then it will ruin yeah. the quality of sleep during the night. Right. So yes, good, good, good uh, uh, amendment there for sure. I've uh, yeah. <laughs> I was one of the ty- I was one of the people who always thought that you know I can have coffee and go to sleep. I can have an espresso at 9 p.m. and go to sleep. And and it is true that I can have an espresso and fall asleep and then sleep through the night and you know whatever. But then when I started, one I've I've always been a good sleeper. But then when I started using the the Aura Ring a few years ago, I started to notice that when I had coffee late at night, it really would affect my sleep. And then I maybe like self fulfilling prophecy myself into this thought where I would do that and I would see the score would be lower and I would like kind of feel shittier, even though I didn't feel shitty before I saw the score. But I certainly yeah. all the numbers would suggest that I didn't sleep as well. So even if you are the person and people who follow me know that like I love coffee and drink coffee every day and all this stuff, but I don't have coffee in late into the afternoon because it's going to affect my sleep. Whether you think it is or not, it's happening, unfortunately. And it's and I think this is funny, right? Like people need a sleep tracker to confirm uh, insights that are already well known. Yeah. I mean, we you knew that drinking caffeine wasn't good for you. You knew drinking alcohol wasn't good for you. But only when we track it, that's when we see. Oh, wow! Yeah, this is actually true. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, it's like I knew that based on you know my knowledge and things that I had read, and I knew that it wasn't good for me. But I refused to believe it until I saw that yeah. number on the ring. And, and I was like, ah, shit! All and right, I think, true. and I think, and I think this is something I really want to stress because there's research being done that showed that many people are actually fully aware of all the things we have just been spoken about. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's a very big difference between knowledge and understanding. Absolutely, everyone knows smartphone in their bedroom is a terrible idea. Yet everyone does it. Everyone knows that drinking caffeine is poor, bad for your health. Well, maybe not everyone, but let's say most people. Um, but they don't do it. So to transfer from knowledge to understanding, it requires experimentation, awareness, and feedback. And that's like the spot we want to be. And so if you say, I have tried everything, I dare to say, did you try everything? Or do you think you know everything, but you don't understand if it really works? That's an important nuance to make. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I 100% agree with that. And I'm so happy that you said that because it's true with sleep and it's true across the board. We all know what healthy food is. You know, if you put two plates of food in front of people, a salad and like a, you know, cheeseburger and whatever fries stuff, everyone knows which one of those things is healthier. But why do we always, not always, but why do we not always choose the better option? Same with our sleep. Why do we bring the phone in the bed? Why do we do all of these things? Well, these are the hard questions that we really have to answer. And it comes to awareness, being aware of what we're doing, because so much of our behavior becomes unconscious. Like it's just... It's just what yeah. I do. It's because of the kids. It's because of my partner. It's what it is what it is. Yeah. But really, and, you've got to do it. And I think just to 
very surely tap into that is because our brain craves short-term dopamine. And with technology and the billion-dollar algorithms trying to make advertisements and, and, and getting you to engage, they are master in getting dopamine and getting you addicted to whatever it is. Cheeseburger, short-term pleasure, long-term uh, downfall. Salad, short-term, not so tasty, but long-term beneficial. And I think this where whole Daniel Kahneman with System 1 and 2 thinking taps in. As humans, we're, we're like monkeys, right? We just go for the first thing that, that's most satisfying and most easy, the path of less, least resistance. And I think only when you have this habit, again, <laughs> awareness and, 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 and so forth, that's when you start not only if you had the cheeseburger or the salad, you naturally nudge towards the salad because your body craves it because it has experienced the long-term benefit. And you will identify with an athlete rather than a fast food junk. <laughs> exactly. So this is this is why I'm there's very critical. Go ahead. Sorry. No, that, that that was that was it. I was gonna say I'm I'm always very critical of people who say I've tried everything for sleep, for weight loss, for whatever. Because these things are difficult, yes, but they are not rocket science. Like, and you know, we're speaking to a robotics engineer where these are not rocket science things. There are simple but difficult things that can be done to fix this. And so if you truly tried everything, 99% would have solved the issue, whether that be weight, whether that be sleep, you would have solved the issue. And if you didn't, and you really tried everything, then there's something seriously wrong, and you are a massive outlier of the population. Not 99% of the population. You are 0.1% of the population if you've tried everything and can't sleep and can't lose weight. It's just it's just not how it works. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously, and, and let, let's, uh, let, let's be clear about that, there's medical conditions to it where you simply need medical aid, like, like sleep apnea, restless mm-hmm. legs, that's very real and very prevalent, and that's need a certain type of pre- uh, a treatment. Of but course, all the things that we just talked about is preventing those things from happening. Because also sleep apnea usually is a result of having being too fat, uh, and 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 you can prevent that by eating healthy and by sleeping better. So you know, it's all about implementing all these things as soon as possible even when you are already healthy, to prevent all those other things from happening. And that's when, indeed, 99% of the population won't even have the situation of trying everything and, oh, then it's, it's being an outlier. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it, we're just very interesting creatures, humans, and our motivations and our psychology, it's, it's always, like, fascinating to me about how people think about things and how, and, you know, we say people, and I'm not speaking to you, whoever is listening to this right now. This is a, you know, a very general statement across the entire society. Like, 40%, over 40% of Americans are obese currently. Like, that is not, that is not normal in any way. And so when we speak, it's, it's in these general terms. If we were having a one-on-one conversation, it would be a little bit different. But we all have to take personal responsibility for whatever's happening in our own life, in our own body, in our own health, and then make those changes. There's just nothing that can solve it for us. And I don't know how many times we can we can say that in different ways, but I hope that this is the one that, that finally gets through to you. Yes. So. Uh, preach. <laughs> <laughs> there we yeah. go. Julian, this has been uh, amazing, and I don't want to take up too much of your time. I appreciate you joining us uh, this evening from uh, from Holland. So... Tell us a little bit, uh, uh, where can people find, uh, find the product? Where can people follow you, learn more availability, these kind of, these kind of things? Yeah. So you can look for, uh, somnox.com. That's S O M N O X.com. Uh, maybe we can provide a link in the description. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, first of all, we, we publish a lot of scientific uh, blog posts about what you can do, very practical tips. So you, you can start there. We also created um, a sleep quiz that you can take to determine your your chronotype and what is needed for you and whether our device will be uh, effective for you or not. So it's it's like a five-step quiz you take and it will give you understanding whether it is suitable for your uh, situation. So please do so. Uh, check it out. And um, yeah, you can try it for 30 nights. Um, that, so if it doesn't work, you get a full refund. Um, so we you only pay when you really improve your sleep. I think that's important to, to mention. There you go. Very fair, very bold, very confident of you, and, and rightfully so. So that's awesome. Julian, is there anything else that, um, or, or sorry, by the way, is it available worldwide? 
most of my audience is Canadian and in, in, in North America, but is it available it's, worldwide? It's available in the US and Canada, uh, or sorry, North, North America and Europe. If you order okay. from there, it's, uh, it's available. Yeah. Rest of the world, not yet. Uh, and we, we just launched in the US. So, uh, it's exciting time. <laughs> it is. It is. No, I'm I'm super excited to to see how the product grows and just to see how it continues to help people and and really impact the world. We said at the beginning, this is a this is a world changing thing, and that's not something to say very lightly, but it's it's true. So thank you for for building this. Yeah, my my pleasure. And and uh, all I can say is uh, sleep well. <laughs> there we go. Is there any other last message? All the links will be in the show notes. Any other last message you want to leave the people with here? Um, let me think about that one. Hmm. I think we, I think we, 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 the, there were some golden nuggets in our conversation. Um, so maybe share this with a friend that you think could use this. That would be my, my add on. I think there's, everyone knows someone that is currently going through a rough time and most likely they're not sleeping well. And most likely this podcast can help them. So. You know, sharing something takes two seconds of your time and it might just change the life. Uh, so that, that that's my call to action. <laughs> there we go. Beautiful, beautiful. Well said. Thank you so much, Julian. I, I really appreciate your time. And thank you again for, for creating this and sharing your knowledge and experience and lessons with us. And again, to everyone listening, please share this with a friend. If it doesn't help yourself, if you sleep great, maybe you can still improve and take some things from this episode. But certainly we all know someone who can benefit from this. So please take the time, the, the seconds to to share it, to rate and review the podcast, subscribe on YouTube, all of those things just helps to get this message out there. Not an egotistical thing at all. I really don't care other than helping people. So let's just help get it out there. Um, Somnox.sleep on Instagram. I'll put all the other show notes or the links in the show notes. Daniel Yoris on Instagram. Do, do you publish stuff on your personal Instagram as well, Julian? Uh, on my personal Instagram, no, it's I I, I don't look at it. I try okay. to avoid. Then we don't need. Then we don't need to let myself. people know. <laughs> Perfect. Salmnox you know, yeah. yeah. on Instagram. Daniel Yoris on Instagram. Find the podcast everywhere. Share with a friend. That's it. I appreciate each and every one of you. Have a great sleep tonight. Go outside. Take your shoes off. Exercise and sleep well. <laughs>